0: Welcome to the weekend must watch here on the Intercut podcast channel where we wade our way through the week in theater streaming and on demand. I'm your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, Alina Does the Hunting while he defends the Ooh. pride, it's Arturo Zurita.
1: We just we just go to Mariano's, we just go to Costco, that's, <laughs> that's all it is right there. But uh, really good weekend movies, I'd say, in terms of like unexpected releases uh mainly in in tv i would say we had the biggest hbo thing finally pretty coming big back, tv week breaking records did you see that tweet mm-hmm. that was showing everybody watching it at the same time and it was all of the windows in the houses just flashing at the exact same scene <laughs> uh which was good because it, it, i heard a uh, 10 million viewers ended up uh, blocking hbo max which uh is surprising because usually it's just their ceo doing it but uh a really big week for hbo <laughs> uh, and uh Decent week for Disney, which we'll get into.
0: Yeah, uh, nothing is more reliable than quality prestige dramas from HBO and the app crashing as soon as you try to watch them. We will get into House of the Dragon in a little bit, as well as the rest of the big week in TV, but we're going to start what we're watching the way we normally do with the biggest releases in theaters, except that we haven't caught this weekend's biggest release, Art. Did you realize there was a Dragon Ball movie coming out and that it was going to make $20 million?
1: Yes, I did. I was looking forward to it, Zach, and I get ready to go book my tickets, right? And it turns out, We don't get it. It's excluded from A-List. So when they said 20 mil, egg, they meant 20 mil hard cash. Really? They had screenings of this in IMAX. It's what took the IMAX away from E.T., uh, which I was able to catch. And I was there, ready to to book it. But uh, 20 mil with the Japanese uh, Japanese and the dubbed version that they had out there. I'm still looking forward to catching it. You don't necessarily need to see it in a big screen, but... I'm a big Dragon Ball fan. I remember catching uh, Dragon Ball F not too long ago when that one came out in theaters a couple years ago. I was looking forward to this one. Shout out DBZ, dude. It's still there.
0: Yeah, I mean look, they were even in seven hundred fewer theaters than Beast and somehow doubled what the Idris Elba movie made. I mean, look, when when the fans need to show up, the fans sometimes can show up. And I think we're seeing more and more that like sometimes the these niche releases, especially when they're marketed in the right way, can really make a splash, but yep. this is definitely one that I think is going to turn some heads in Hollywood, uh, especially towards the like animation not necessarily geared towards children department that so many studios have been so scared to touch in terms of like big theatrical releases for a while.
1: And if I'm not mistaken, I think this may even be a sequel. Uh, I could be wrong about that one, but I believe they've had a- another release yeah. prior to this one, but I agree with you. I think that there is a market for... Uh, I mean, a aren't, aren't they all releases?
0: sequels at this point with Dragon Ball? Oh, the- <laughs> well, Z is, in fact, the sequel to just Dragon Ball. So, yeah, you're right, Zach.
1: It's yeah. all a sequel. It's just a running thing. <laughs> but, yeah, it would be cool to see a lot more of these types of releases. Again, I don't think that they should be excluded. From the A-list, I think you're able to get a lot more people. But it, then at the same yeah. time, look at how much money they made. I don't know if that would have been right. possible if you keep it that way. But uh, we will have this one on the horizon. If any of the inner cutie, shout out to all those who are in the chat, have caught this, uh, let us know. Let, let us know which episodes are imperative before going into right. this one.
0: There we go. Uh, m- maybe something of the like the Boo arc. That's the one that I remember from when I was younger. Oh, That's the Boo best arc. one. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk about the movies we actually saw in theaters this weekend. Or maybe earlier today before we recorded this uh, fresh out the theater for the latest with Idris Elba starring Idris Elba as a father, who takes his two teenage daughters to the savannah in Africa. Beast finds them all hunted by the jungle's apex predator, a massive rogue male lion. Art, we've had films about shark attacks, films Mm -hmm. about bear attacks, films about wolves, piranhas, and birds attacking too. But did the king of the jungle translate to this genre well? (sighs) Ah. Decently,
1: not well though. Uh, yeah. If you saw the trailer and it piqued your interest, it, it's a rent it for you in that case. Yeah. Uh, it is a movie that is very dark though, so I would suggest that if you if you are like looking forward to this movie, try to catch it in like Adobe like theater because there's like mm-hmm. uh, some sequences that happen at night. And they all happen in a long take and the whole purpose is for you to like kind of follow the screen to see where can something be popping out of and they play with it, you know, Idris will like pop out of the screen, and you're like, ah, you don't see where he's coming from. <laughs> um, so it does deserve that aspect of it. In terms of the writing, they try to say some stuff, they don't really say much. You get a little bit of the action. Like I said, some beautiful long takes throughout the movie. There are so many long takes that uh, mm-hmm. happen throughout them searching through the village and them uh, going through the safari.
0: But yeah. damn, this is almost- does they
1: get really dumb, dude.
0: <laughs> this is almost the opposite of the Michael Bay approach to action filmmaking, where instead of just like chopping it up to like crazy, they they really do linger. And there are, it's not like Birdman where there's like one cr- incredibly long take. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any of the takes are so long that you would like uh, be surprised by how long they are. But it's a movie with probably like between five and ten shots that go on for a full minute. Yes. You know, and I think some of them work better than others. There's some where like you get that children of men feeling of like escalating action and tension. Like I think the one where he's trapped under the car is one where you're like really uh, on uh, on the edge of your seat. And then there's a couple others where it feels a little bit like they're kind of stalling, and yes, they, they could maybe like cut around some of the searching. Uh-huh. For, for, stuff?
1: for certain medical supplies, you're like, OK, we're going to take our time. I was saying long takes and I was saying they're taking a long time to find a <laughs> lot of the stuff in here. There was also you had brought up Children of Men, which I mean, you're bringing up the epitome of uh, right. long takes, especially when you're in a car. Uh, that does a beautiful uh, thing when they're inside of the vehicle so you can see everybody's reaction. Oh, the one in this one is probably the worst of the worst. Please just cut. If you're not going to switch the focal length, I don't want to be this close to Idris Elba. Not knowing is his foot in the lion's mouth. Like, there are some where, yeah, it loses its touch. But I still found them intriguing because I'm a sucker for long takes. And I think it does a really Mm -hmm. good job of having you, uh, like, capture a lot of the scenery that they're stranded in.
0: Totally. But if you're making the Lion Attack movie, you wanna see when the Lion Attacks. <laughs> yes, sir. Right? Or like how. There there's a couple moments in this movie where the actors will say, Ah, oh, it got me. And that's pretty much the only way that you know <laughs> that they were injured in that moment. Do you? Because
1: um, later on they're running.
0: <laughs> right, right. Uh and there's also this like final sequence that I don't want to spoil, but like right they, there. you know, they introduce the thing that's gonna end it and it's sitting there and you're like waiting and you know what's going to happen for like a full minute before it does it just takes a lot of the tension out of that final beat i don't know there's elements here for sure that are that are interesting but i don't think they ever made the threat of this apex predator have like some kind of logic to it some kind of like rules to it in a way where it didn't just kind of feel like random attacks and their their escapes also didn't feel random in times, right? Yeah, Like it just, I think, you you know, we just saw another survival horror movie last week and talked about it in Fall. And while they're obviously very different movies, Fall is a good, Fall is one that does a really good job of like continuously finding new twists on its situation that feel feel like clever and feel different and, and keep you going. Beast didn't have as much... T- ingenuity I felt like it felt just more like typical kind of like monster attacks and it, action fi- kind of boring action filmmaking it's not the worst but it's yeah definitely more of like a see it at home rent it stream it kind of thing for sure
1: uh and you mentioned fall I was surprised how much of this movie especially in the latter half is a trapped in the car movie so yeah they are a lot similar than, than what you're saying. Um, mm-hmm. did, did you care for the actors? The uh, You know, there was a story that was going on behind the scenes about how uh, Idris Elba's daughter had auditioned and she was so upset she didn't get the role that she didn't speak to him for three weeks. And in the movie, there is a... You know, a thematic thing going on about like who's who are the real beasts out there. Right. Because they're dealing with poachers and such. But there's also a family drama going on and the daughter's like really upset at him. So I thought I, I think the daughter's still auditioning at home because she was that upset. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that played into it, uh, into it anymore. If you preferred that storyline.
0: Um. (laughs) I mean, it was it was funny to see. And like, I I guess I'm a fan of like nepotism not being rewarded in some ways. But uh, I mean, I thought the actresses that played his daughters were were fine and were were maybe interesting in parts, uh, particularly, I think Ayanna Haley, who played Meredith or or Mare, I guess she likes to be called uh w- was pretty good in the role but as you mentioned like the script doesn't really do them any favors it's another one where they try to like pack a lifetime's worth of resent father daughter resentment into like half a scenes worth of dialogue mm-hmm. and it just like it ends up feeling fake because Forced. they go from they go from not mentioning it to fighting like you know pe- peak Dumping of the fight the whole heart. like yeah. nothing there's yeah. a
1: brand of moments where she'll just be saying everything that's been pent up, not really for the dad, but for us, the audience. And I love the little sister because she goes, you know, you talk a lot. <laughs> and I was just like, OK, <laughs> even if once the scriptwriters even realize it, you know, it's getting to that point. But again, uh, if you're curious in the movie, I'd say wait for it on home video.
0: For sure. All right. Let's get into the other new thing theatrical release that we were we got to see this weekend although most people i think probably check this one out on paramount plus mm-hmm. it is uh orphan first blood the sequel to 2009's orphan. Now, you might be thinking, how are they making a prequel to a film from 13 years ago that starred a literal child? The answer? Forced perspective and platform shoes. Step aside Peter Jackson. It's a pretty silly idea, but Orphan First Blood runs with it and delivers a pretty freaky, zany, campy, good time. Mm -hmm. Uh, It feels kind of, to me, like this year's Malignant, the James Wan movie from last year that was just Sort of like crazy enough to be entertaining in a horrific way. Uh, Art, you talked a little bit about it last week, but now that more people have had a chance to see it, are you glad that they brought Isabel Furman back for Orphan First Blood rather than recasting this role?
1: Uh, I mean, they practically recast it. If watching this movie and seeing like, yep, that's the double, yep, that's the double, dang, they really got her crouching, I highly <laughs> recommend finding that picture Zach was talking about where everyone's in their platforms all the way up. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I like seeing her come back for the role, but it is funny, like you said, without spoiling too much of the first one, it is a literal reversal on what made the first mm-hmm. one so good. I am a big fan of the first one. Uh, working on the LME right now, uh, I got to show it to Alina for the first time, and she's like, this isn't a horror. This is a drama. This is a, this is a whole feature film about this family that's like falling apart, and then this girl who comes in and rattles everything up, and her performance in that movie is... It's great. Yeah. Here... I think it's kind of smart the way they're playing into that now that I do the too. actress is older, right? And I agree with you. It is a very campy film. I wouldn't call it fully malignant, but I see what you're saying. Because mm. this is the director who did um, The Boy. Do you remember The Boy?
0: I do remember The Boy. Bronze, I am not the, the
1: biggest fan of this director. There are some sequences in this movie where I was just like... I like what we're doing with it, but why does he... It's like a good joke, and you have the worst person retelling the joke. If they had a better director, dude, there is some stuff that they're working with in this movie, especially in that second half. (laughs) I was enjoying it. It's not a good movie, but I had a good time with it. First one is a good movie, though. I vouch for that one.
0: Yeah, like the first... That's the thing that's kind of really interesting here is it's so tonally different from the first one because that first one is... It's a very unsettling... Like not very – a very creepy movie that really does sort of freak you out in a different way. This one, she's like a lot more like Chucky or something. It's just like going for a completely different vibe. I do like the way that they change the circumstance with this movie. Like the things happen in the second half of the film that sort of sort of frees them up to yes, not, sir. like, play coy with what's happening. And to me, that's when the movie does get really fun. Because, you know, like, once you've done that twist in the first movie, you can't redo it. So you have to... It's got to be out in the open a little bit.
1: I thought that was pretty awesome. Uh, again, yeah. I don't know if you would say that there is an order to watch them in.
0: <laughs> well, uh, Paramount actually plays Orphan after you watch Orphan First Kill. But then you when you finish watching Orphan it auto-plays Orphan First Kill. So if you want to watch Orphan on Paramount+, Plus, just be careful you don't get sucked into, like, a never-ending Orphan <laughs> Vortex <laughs> going back and never forth as- forever.
1: <laughs> Does not let you leave.
0: I mean, that's the app oh. dream right there, the streaming app dream.
1: Damn. Uh, I will say when uh, watching Orphan, the first one again, it is interesting how they retro uh, retroactively add things. It's kind of neat because there's some stuff she does with the painting in the first Orphan movie. And then in this Orphan movie, she showcases where she got that technique from. So uh, I did appreciate little things like that. So if you haven't seen Orphan in a long time, uh, if you do end up catching this new one, I think, one, a rewatch is cool. But it also adds a lot to, like, the lore that they're expanding in. Um, I was going to add something else in terms of, like, uh, the background to the characters in the movie. Uh, I will say... First kill. It's not even first kill. The movie begins and it tells you she's like on number I don't even know what. So <laughs> we're still going to get an orphan first first kill. It's going to be like a, an <laughs> Adobe project. They're just going to continue to add when it really was the when all of this <laughs> began.
0: Um, final, final, final,
1: final, kill. <laughs> but, yeah, I would still check it out if you're curious uh, in it. But please, please, please watch the first orphan. It is fantastic. Uh, and yeah. I think Vera Framiga, who will be mentioned again later on in the watch, list totally. uh, does a fantastic job in that movie.
0: And yeah, is it just get ready for a little bit of tonal whiplash. All right. <laughs> uh let's talk about E.T. Spielberg's family classic which returned to theaters in an all new way presented in IMAX art. Is this one of your childhood favorites and what was it like to see it on the big big screen?
1: Uh I respect E.T. Uh, I wouldn't say he like it's not Jurassic Park to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I recognize it one of the classics I really wanted to go see it in IMAX because uh, with Jaws coming up and having seen Jurassic Park uh, on their re-releases this is the re 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 release of E.T. it's always really cool to see what they amp up what they fix what they're able to add to it and if you're catching this in IMAX or we're able to catch it in IMAX it's John Williams score John Williams scored nothing but that thing was, I, I could have watched the movie with my eyes closed and it would have been fantastic <laughs> they yeah. absolutely killed it with the sound mix um I don't think the IMAX is particularly, particularly necessary on the rewatch for a movie like this. Uh, I think it's just a full-frame movie, and you can put it up on an IMAX, but um, those shots still hold up. Some of it has aged. you know. I know we're not yeah. the biggest on remakes, but there are some shots where you could see the halo around them for the special effects. Mm-hmm. Sometimes E.T., you could see how he doesn't look as real or how they're maneuver- maneuvering him around.
0: Mm-hmm. But then
1: you get that moon shot. Then you get like E.T. in an angle where he does look a little too real. And it's like it does hold up. So it's yeah. it's spotty. I'm not going to lie. It's still a spotty movie. And even in the recollection of it, of what the story is and how these kids are missing their father. I don't know how much you remember of the core storyline. Mm-hmm. There's some phoning home that isn't between two fingers, but it's a, a kid almost to the woman's butt. There's some really uh, sexual undertones that I... Never saw as a kid. Uh, now 80s, looking man. back, at, yeah, that's the eighties. Looking back on ET, that's kind of surprised me. It gave me a little bit of whiplash there, but uh, overall, it was it was really fun to revisit it and to see how to this day it's still homaging. Uh, so many people are still homaging it. How much of a classic it is from its sounds, from uh, just the way ET moves, the way that they interact, a lot of the iconography. Uh yeah, it's a classic for a reason. So if you had the ability to see it in an IMAX theater, I'm curious to know your experience. But I'm also curious how many of you are going to go get ready for Jaws because that's coming out Labor Day weekend. And that's one mm. that I'm very excited to see how they've mixed that. And uh, I believe it's going to be in 3D as well. I don't care too much for the 3D, but yeah. I, I want to see how they fix the sound in IMAX <laughs> for sure.
0: Yeah, very exciting too. Um, I think I actually prefer E.T. to Jurassic Park when I was... I am still kind of like that's that was the one that I had the nostalgia for growing up. Uh, And maybe just I caught that one at the right age. But decent. Yeah, that's always been my favorite of the uh, family Spielberg ones, I think.
1: Another thing I'd say is, uh, you know how there's that Easter egg that E.T. appears in Star Wars? Yeah. So like rewatching the movie, the way he interacts with what's his name, showing him all the toys he right. kind of looks at them like he knows them. And I was just like, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it's a much bigger world. And I started making good, <laughs> I want to make an Easter egg explained video for something that's been out right. since 1984. Uh, but that awesome. was a cool little touch right there uh, between filmmakers. But E.T., the extraterrestrial. Uh, I think it's going to hold cool. up, Zach. I, th- I think people look for it.
0: <laughs> yeah. People might people might talk about that one, that one day. Yeah. I mean, I think when you're talking especially about the effects and how some of them don't hold up, ultimately when the filmmaking is as good as Ambitious. it is in a Spielberg blockbuster like you can kind of put those concerns to the side and just get swept up in the the magic of it all mm-hmm. and and like you said you know maybe there are some shots that don't work so so well so well but then there's other shots that work really well and and it's i insane. think balance it all out yeah All right, let's head over to streaming for a couple new Netflix releases. The number one Netflix film over the weekend was Look Both Ways, a sliding doors via pregnancy test movie. On the eve of her college graduation, Natalie's life diverges on two parallel paths, one in which she becomes pregnant and another in which she doesn't. The movie stars Riverdale's Lily Reinhart and Top Gun pilot Danny Ramirez Mm. with Andrea Savage, Luke Wilson, and Nia Long. Art, should people give Look Both Ways a look?
1: If you're a fan of Netflix's last number one movie, which was Purple Hearts, it's a Purple Hearts type movie right here. Yeah, (laughs) This is that. Interesting premise. Uh, Very good-looking cast. I don't think it's saying as much as it thinks it is, but Mm. uh, I always look at the rating of what Netflix decides to give a movie. If they give it a TV rating or if they give it a proper movie rating, that usually lets me know where they're seeing this. This is something that would have been an in-between for them, not something that they would ever release theatrically. It's exactly where it should be, which is uh, streaming. Um, I know that there's a lot of... uh, undertone i can't even call them undertones they are overtones in this film about like what it's trying to address and i feel like it's one of those movies where it wants to say what it's about but like secretly but it's very loud about yeah. it
0: it doesn't want, it doesn't want to go full god's not dead <laughs>
1: exactly yeah it, it it's like that um i don't know uh i i compare it to purple hearts because that was another movie where it's trying to mix um two very different ideologies and talking about very like you know hot topic issues um And I think this one is able to do it in a a little bit more of a lighthearted way, I want to say, as opposed to Purple Hearts. But uh, look, I like Danny Ramirez. That's all I can say, really. Uh, Lily (laughs) Reinhart's adorable. But uh, if you're going through the situation, I I don't know that this is the movie that you would want to watch, I guess.
0: Right. Or maybe I I actually think I think the cast is pretty strong in this one. uh, And, you know, that. To its credit, like, gets it somewhat of the way there. But I think there's just, like, not a lot of there there in this movie. Like, it's talking about these two parallel paths. And even though part of the point is the ways in which they are not so dissimilar from each other, they kind of just don't feel different. Not- there's almost no way aside from like paying attention to the clothing and the hairstyle or whether or not she's literally carrying around a baby to like distinguish which Natalie is which. She doesn't change much as a person. Her dynamics don't change much. Mm-hmm. And and, it, and even like the way, the place that it ends up, it just sort of feels like there's not a lot going on. And I, I could... I think I could vibe with this general idea of a story of, like, you know, you can go, you can take different paths to get to a similar place, but it also isn't, like, it. it I think it just has the wrong tone. It does this weird, like, cheesy romantic comedy, will they, won't they work mm-hmm. out thing, rather than being a little more slice of life and feeling a little bit more lived in, in a way that might make it more interesting. I don't know, it just... Th- there's just not a lot to hold on to, not a lot to probably relate to other than the broad strokes of the plot. I, like I said, I liked some of the cast here, but that's not enough for me to recommend this one.
1: Interesting premise, though. I think someone could do something good with this. But like you said, yeah. it's always when they meet up, they're not just meeting up at the end. It's every like five minutes. They find themselves in the same position regardless of what path she chose. Mm-hmm. Um And then on top of that, the production design, the way that they dress, all of it is just so by the numbers. Did you notice how she's in one red and in the other blue? It's like it's all Mm -hmm. of these different, uh, just very easy check the box type of things where it's not trying to aggravate anybody. uh, And not trying to do that. It's not really telling a story or making any decisions uh, for the film. But it's also a big south by that. I will say that.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask, right? Like, does this resemble your experience of seeing short films oh, at the South by Wills Film Festival? Oh, yeah, the
1: sold out Paramount Theater for the short films. Mm-hmm. Let's go, Big <laughs> B. That was also funny to, to talk about like it's so uh, not in touch with reality that even in the movie world that it should be in touch with, it does not understand how South by works at all.
0: <laughs> and also, how many times would you like to hear a cover of Fun's We Are Young in the next Netflix movie? Plus or minus three?
1: i i i'm not gonna do the over under because i'm gonna lose i feel like that's the one (laughs) licensed song that they've been able to get Uh, and and i think they also had three times kfc in this movie as well uh which has been the staple for netflix so it's gotten to a point where like us youtubers use the same royalty-free music netflix is doing that with anything that gets the tv rating
0: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, not not enough there there with Look Both Ways, for sure, even if maybe there's some interesting things about its plot. Uh, but let's go to the other new Netflix movie in the next 365 Days, a potential end to the 365 Days trilogy, the latest <laughs> pseudo-erotic romance based on the Polish books. Art, you ventured into the 365 Days franchise twice before and came out disappointed in humanity each time. So I have to ask, is this some kind of punishment kink at this point or, or what's going on? I believe so. They don't
1: even wait. They didn't even wait 365 days to nope. give us the next one. So uh, I think I'm done with the series. I, I'm tired of being edged by them is what I will say with all of their endings. <laughs> so next
0: all right, let's go to TV because it was a big week, both for premieres and finales. Let's start with the biggest premiere in a week full of them. Mm. And fly back in on the back of the dragon, Syraxes, the house of the dragon, or as Jarge R.R. Martin refers to, it, hot D debuted in the coveted Sunday primetime slot on HBO to about 10 million viewers, HBO's biggest premiere ever featuring the story of House Targaryen 172 years before the birth of Daenerys Targaryen. House of the Dragon features Patty Considine, Matt Smith, Rise Iphens, and more highly respected British actors. Art, a series like House of the Dragon will ultimately be judged on the strength of its full first season. But for an hour at least, how did you feel about being back in Westeros?
1: Great. It felt awesome. The sound design is beautiful. The sets are cool. The VFX? It's all right. It's okay. It's okay. But the characters, I'm already rooting for people. I'm already going, Mm -hmm. like, you're the a-hole. Can't wait to see more Mm -hmm. from you. Can't wait to see uh, how these battles go over here. I see some love interest sparkling over here. uh, And just the way that they're building up the role, Uh, the world, these grudges, uh, a lot of comparisons to what we know is going to happen, what, 200-something years uh, in the future to the actual Game of Thrones storyline. But, dude... (laughs) <laughs> we're back, baby. We're I love back. how a lot of people were saying, Oh, we said we weren't gonna go back to it after they abused us with the last season. Hey, look, the last season ended terribly. Mm-hmm. But we had a blast for seven whole seasons. Like that I don't that doesn't go away from me. I don't understand people who see it Same. that way. Um I was gonna come back regardless of it. Clearly, so did everybody else. And some. It did not deter yeah. people away. HBO knows where the money's at. And that's why George came out and said that uh, Thrones, it should have gone 12. There was no reason to halt it at 8. Uh, and I hope they, they've learned their lesson and they're able to really flesh this world out because uh, you know, I'm excited to tune in on a weekly basis.
0: I am too, man. I, I missed the appointment Sunday viewing. I missed the communal watching experience. I missed everybody going crazy on Twitter at the same time together. It's, it's fun to be back here. Look, I think... A lot of people, when they talk about the things that Thrones did well, when they were doing them well, is they talk about the the violence and the sex and the dragons, but really what it was that I think separated this show from so many other fantasy shows was that it was a politics show, like mm-hmm. woven into a fantasy setting. And they clearly understood that in the House of the Dragon because they're, the real drama of this show happens in those small council meetings. When all the big players, all the important people sit around and and make the decisions that Affect the world and affect these characters. Uh, I think they've just done a really smart job of calibrating this in a way where you are thrust into that dynamic. And like you said, you, yes, you can pick up allegiances. They cast this one really well. You know, I was a little bit like unsure about the casting of Paddy Considine because he's actually one of my like favorite underrated actors, but he's not somebody I ever really imagined in the brutal world of a Game of Thrones. And then you see this. This pilot episode and he's so heartfelt and he's so forlorn and he's clearly wearing the weight of the world on his shoulders as a king and it's like okay they cast Patty Considine in a Patty Considine part yes, perfect they brought Matt Smith a dude who loves to play assholes to Religious. play the biggest asshole in Westeros mm-hmm. awesome let's go uh, I, I think they are just they've clearly calibrated this thing well to to kind of bring you back into that feeling that we all really enjoyed. And, and like you said, you know, it was really magic for a while there. And eventually things fell apart. But those, I think those were Benioff and Weiss problems. And this isn't a Benioff and Weiss show. There you go. But do you also
1: believe that the Benioff and Weiss positives were also what gave a lot of the flourishes that we enjoyed from Game of Thrones? Or Do you think that having the same team and like line producers and such here mm-hmm. can still carry that? Because yeah, there's I mean, a well-oiled uh, machine, but do you think that it's going
0: to We should mention maybe that the first episode was directed by Miguel Sapochnik, who, of course, directed many of the biggest and best, best. episodes of Game of Thrones, including yes. Battle of the Bastards. The series is cr- co-created not just by Ryan Condal, but George R. 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 Martin as well. So he said enough's you're-
1: enough. His logo's at the <laughs> end of the show, yeah, because it, it looks really cool. Stick to the end of the credits. He, he's not messing around anymore.
0: Yeah, it's actually interesting. I I heard that there were some things that he had issues with in Game of Thrones that he made sure they changed for House of the Dragon. Nice. One of the things is he thought uh, Game of Thrones wasn't uh, colorful enough. And if you see, like, the house banners are all a lot more colorful in House of the Dragon. So it'll Mm -hmm. be interesting to see uh, his influence on it. I'm not trying to say that Benioff and Weiss didn't do great things. Like, clearly, they made a lot of great tv but they seemed done with it and chose to wrap things up rather than resolve them the way they should have and i think everybody including them would probably say in retrospect they should have just stepped away and handed the reins off uh, yeah. to the show but yes you you know i guess maybe second time's the charm we we hope we can cross our fingers but i'm i'm gonna be back here every sunday night watching it
1: i am as well do you have any favorite characters so far or scenes uh, that stood out from the first?
0: Um, I mean, as I mentioned, I like Patty Constantine a lot, so I'm I'm always inclined to root for him. Uh I I'm I'm into uh what's her name? Renera. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious to see how that's gonna go. Is, is Renera
1: the one who didn't get to become queen?
0: Uh I think she Or the younger one. I think yeah. Or she's the younger one, I think.
1: Okay. The older one, her aunt, the one who didn't uh get yeah, to become yeah, queen.
0: Yeah. That the queen who those wasn't. two right
1: there? No, like, I want to know more about them. I'm gravitating towards them. I think that they're going to be my favorite character. I love seeing Sonoya. I don't know if I have an image of her here, but uh, many of you may know her from Devs. All of the Alex Garland movies, she appears in some Mm -hmm. capacity. Bro, she's in Thrones. That's awesome to see. I did not know she was going to be playing what she was playing, but uh, (laughs) on top of that, just Matt Smith. Uh, there's a sequence in here where they go full last duel, full tournament, medieval times yes. right there, right in front of you. And it was Classic fantastic. There's already some great memes of that when he was railing. I don't know if you saw that one. They put the Tony Hawk thing over him. I was going to say the 50-50. Nah, we're back, bro. Like we're we're in this yeah. world. Everyone's watching at the same time. I am very excited. And then they dropped the uh, uh, HBO, dropped the whole thing, even with all this uncertainty, right? This has been happening and movies being shelved. And people having seen Scoob, or maybe they haven't seen Scoop. they're like, we still have to keep the, the, the ball rolling. They dropped that uh, The Last of Us teaser. I don't Ooh. know if you got to finally see it.
0: I did, yeah. It Just like, looks, what, 20 seconds or so of footage? But that's got me hyped, too. Yeah, they 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 literally have us begging for
1: scraps. Um, yep. But they got us right here, dude. With this and everything that they have in the horizon, it is looking great for HBO. Uh, I yeah. hope they fix the behind-the-scenes stuff.
0: Not easy to find privacy in in uh, King's Landing, I'm, I'm realizing. You know, Matt Smith can't s- have sex without several onlookers. The small council isn't as secure as you would expect, like, a top-level government meeting to be.
1: Uh-huh. Well, that's just then, Matt I, Smith's life.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, may- maybe they need to invest in some uh, soundproofing or... or or, spot, or peeper-proofing mm-hmm. technology in Westeros. <laughs> All right, let's go to Disney+, Plus, which premiered its own big show, the latest Marvel series, She-Hulk Attorney at Law, featuring Tatiana Maslany as Woo. Jennifer Walters, a.k.a. She-Hulk. I've only had a chance to catch the first episode. Art has seen four of them. I think there's going to be nine. Uh, and this show, created by Jessica Gao, pitches itself as a subversive, fourth-wall-breaking lawyer comedy. But, Art, how much fun are you having watching She-Hulk so far? Uh,
1: I really like Tatiana Mas- Maslani. I went to go see her on Broadway for Network. She killed it live. She is, yep. I think, one of the best young actresses working today. Actresses, honestly, period.
0: Shouts to Orphan Black.
1: This is getting the Marvel check. And I can't be upset with that. There are lines and themes in this series that I think could be done very well, and they're Marvelized, as you mm-hmm. expect. It's also uh, being shown, like you said, by Jessica Gao, but more in particular, the director of the first couple of episodes. I want to say is from *Marry Me*. So, right, yeah. Just because you Marvelize *Marry Me* doesn't make it any different. It just gets a lot of fans who are going to like the Marvel skin regardless of and that's what it yeah. feels like a lot to me uh especially in the latter episodes that we're going to get to i was explaining to zach that they try to break the fourth wall in a way where it's not trying to connect to the to the audience it's trying to get ahead of the audience and i don't think that's good for the show uh yeah i think it's very much well aware about how it's going to be received and i think it shouldn't be focused on its reception as much as what it can present. I think it needs to focus on the characters and its VFX a lot better uh, if it's right. trying to pay the respects to her as a character. Like a big part of her is wanting to be a female attorney and all of the different things she has to deal with. And there's a nice comparison that uh, while they may have not hired her as a woman, now they, she can only be hired as She-Hulk. She must be uh, this figure in order to be uh, at the top of this firm. And while there's parallels there to what it's like to be a female attorney. The way that the show is handling it, I think kind of counteracts a lot of what it's going for and it it almost like collapses in its corniness. There are some cameos that are going to happen in an episode or two from now. Um Yeah. Embrace guys. I don't hate it. I, I'm there to support my girl. <laughs> you know? I was there I was yeah. there to support with our boy for Moon Knight. That's they're getting us with these things. You know, they're casting mm-hmm. people who we know we, uh, we like. And they're hoping that uh, they don't have to worry about the writing, that we're just going to add all of their other performances and the drama they were able to do there and that it's just going to carry on here. Yeah, they got to hold their weight in all the other departments, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just think it's like so hard to try and do that fourth wall talking to the camera thing in a post-Deadpool and Fleabag world when they those are just so like sharply and precisely written. And this just kind of feels like a little bit blander by comparison, a little bit less unfiltered in a way that would make it actually kind of like fun or edgy or cool. Uh, In the very, very beginning of the show, very beginning of the first episode, she's like talking to the show and she's like, she makes a joke about, "Oh, you're tuning, you're tuned in for a lawyer show," and I think that's one of the things that you're talking about getting ahead of itself. It's like, you haven't even shown me anything yet. I don't know what kind of show this is, let alone whether or not it's a lawyer show. Like, write yes. a different joke. Don't just say, "Oh, this is a lawyer show." Like, I know it's a lawyer show. <laughs> that's in the title.
1: Yes. I, exactly. It spends a lot of the fourth wall breaking trying to justify itself and it's like, Don't justify yourself. Yeah. Just show me why you're so good and it's like, Yeah, but you gotta understand you I'm gonna get hit with this. No no no, I know you're gonna get hit with that regardless of you mentioning it. So just focus in on give where's the good attorney shows? Or, or what's the case that you're taking. Once Zach, once you see the cases she's taken. Hey, we're not the ones treating you like a joke. The way they're writing the, the series kind of yeah. makes it feel that way. But there's, I don't know, there's a, there's a comedic balance they're trying to uh, <laughs> balance here, and they're just not. I like how, uh, Br- Br- shout out Bruce Wayne in the chat, was talking about, was it Bruce Wayne? Let me see. Make sure I pull this up correctly right here. It was Devesh who had mentioned Honor Society that just came out a couple of weeks ago. Um, the way she breaks the fourth wall there is how they should be breaking the fourth wall here Uh, Mm. being able to play with what's going on in the scene regardless of what the Twitter talk is going to be after the show Uh, so that's a great example of the fourth wall breaking still being able to be done well just because Deadpool did it doesn't mean that they're the only ones who could do it right right. Deadpool wasn't the first to create that either it just knew how to do it very well yeah I think She-Hulk needs some sprucing up in the writing department and it can be well as well because you have a fantastic actress don't don't lose sight of her I guess
0: (laughs) yeah We'll see, we'll see how it turns out as the season progresses. Uh, But let's move over, at least very briefly, to HBO because Nathan Fielder's wildly experimental reality comedy show, The Rehearsal, came to a close over the weekend on HBO with a pretty divisive (laughs) final episode. Mm. And I think we both want to talk about the show in full detail, so we're going to do an after credits following this stream. But for the people who haven't yet watched The Rehearsal, Art. Is Nathan Fielder an evil mastermind or just plain evil?
1: A lot of people think... Uh, I got you, Zach. I'm going to repeat this again later. A lot of people think he's playing God. He's playing the devil.
0: He's playing the devil. <laughs> <laughs> it's... It's... I mean, I don't know. It's just... Dis- you know he is mischievous, at- <laughs> It's mischievous. Deceiv- it's deceiving. But I do still find it to be genius level stuff. And I kind of feel like a lot of the things that the show is being critiqued for right now are things the show is trying to critique about other shows. I, I think it's a little okay. more aware of these issues than maybe some people think it is. Uh, right. But regardless, it was a fascinating, fascinating season and a absolutely fascinating episode. The Probably the episode I won't be able to forget is that finale. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people won't be able to forget it, but yeah i'm I'm looking forward to talking a little I'm, bit more. I'm looking in forward detail to talking with you about with you it. as
1: well uh, yeah. so far, would you recommend to the people to go straight into this? Do you think they should get a little bit more of a primer with some Nathan for you episodes? Do you think it matters?
0: This is just such like uncut, unfiltered neurosis and Nathan fielder extremism. I don't know it it's it's so bizarre and so weird. I almost feel like it. It benefits you to maybe watch a couple Nathan For You's, maybe check out the Dumb Starbucks episode so you get get a feel for the guy and then see if you want to l- get into it even further. Dive all the way into the deep end with the rehearsal.
1: Thevesh well, has an answer for you. Zach, the way you speak of the rehearsal, how you tweeted about it. Do you think it's Trump to for your show of the year?
0: <sighs> so where I ultimately come down on it versus a show like Barry is that I think Barry is so expertly crafted and so good at what it does that maybe I like that one a little bit more, but I'm going to spend way more time thinking about the rehearsal because it's like such an interesting, messy, complicated show there. There's less like the rehearsal out there. Um, So I, I, maybe I would want to watch Barry first, but there's so much to talk about with the rehearsal. I'm picking Barry. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about another one of the best shows of the year so far, and that is Better Call Saul, because AMC's Albuquerque verse has finally come to a close after almost 15 years. Can you believe it's been Wait. that long since Breaking Bad premiered? Is Dun Done? It seems like it. Vince Gilligan has talked about like kind of wanting to to close the book and move mm. on to a new chapter. Mm. There's well, got to we'll be see something. How long yeah, it we'll lasts. see, we'll see.
1: But how, did it live up to it?
0: I mean, I yeah, it, it's hard to say anything else. It's just always been an incredibly well-written uh, couple of shows, but particularly Better Call Saul, I feel like the writing only gets better and more precise, and the ways in which this team of writers through both of these shows have just like reveled in their ability to back themselves into a corner that seems impossible to figure a way out of. And then wriggle free somehow it's, it's such a joy every time they figure it out and it always somehow, I don't know, understand it, but somehow just feels like the truest possible scenario, the truest possible end result for its characters. You know, this is uh I think a lot of people looking back on Breaking Bad are conflicted on whether or not the right people were necessarily like punished on that show. And I think it's interesting to see the way that Better Call Saul handles it, not in terms of making sure the end feels justified, but by not ignoring the realities of what they're asking you to like go along for the ride for right like ultimately when you're talking about a show that features a lawyer who helps out a drug cartel like you you can't ignore how it would be handled and the way they're able to navigate what feels like Gen- the fallout of both Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad simultaneously while sticking true to these characters is like truly, mm. truly uh, marvelous stuff, like like unbelievable character work. Uh, I, I'm just in for? awe of it. The, the final note just feels pitch perfect, and I, I couldn't have it any other way. You know, there's some series finales where you don't know if that's how they should have left their characters. This one just feels... Exact, like Breaking Bad sometimes did, and Better Call Saul did a lot of the time. Like it's the only way it could have happened. So beautiful. Catch up on it, man. Maybe I just know. watch those that final few episodes, and it'll it'll spark something in you. I got to watch, watch just hours? the last episode with me.
1: I wanted to, but I I needed to pay its respects. I heard it was a very somber finale, but that it's in the quietness that it really hits.
0: Yeah. It absolutely, because it's really trying to reckon with what the the toll must have been on all these characters to, to carry these things for, for this time. Because I, like I'm trying to say, you know, they're not just bringing to a close Better Call Saul storylines, but they're bringing to a close Breaking Bad storylines, too. It, it's firmly uh, a show that takes into account the events from both shows in a way that doesn't feel like i don't know over the top or like Mm -hmm. too self-indulgent it's i don't know man i i'm in awe of of these shows and i i'm I'm gonna probably go back and watch all of better calls all again because it's that good yeah
1: well i'm very excited for it. you've sold me on it every week i just haven't bought it Mm -hmm. yet but i have had it on layaway and i can't wait to start the 60 something hours because yeah i've and vincent we trust
0: yeah He's a really, really excellent writer of television and shouts to Peter Gould, uh, who was the creator of the Saul character and and wrote that finale and steered the ship because it's it's been way more than I think anybody could have anticipated when they announced that show. I mean, when, when they announced that show, I thought it was one of the all-time bad ideas to, <laughs> to take the legacy of Breaking Bad and ruin it with this silly... Saul Goodman co- comedy.
1: The, the legacy of Breaking <laughs> Bad. And now... And,
0: and turns out that show is just as good. Damn.
1: All right. Well, I'm curious to see what Vince Gilligan works on next.
0: Yeah, same. All right, a- let's AMC go AMC should give from him a sh- blank
1: check, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, please. The, what else have they got going on? Tales of the Walking Dead? It's, yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go from a show that only I watched to a show that only you watched. Five Days at Memorial, the latest prestige drama out of Apple TV+, following doctors and nurses at an ICU in New Orleans struggling to treat patients during Hurricane Katrina, and how they managed without power for five days. This one stars Vera Farmiga and Cherry Jones. Art, is this limited series worth the time?
1: It's pretty solid. I've gotten through the first yeah. uh, batch of episodes that are out. I think they're on episode four, maybe five. Uh, I want to say I caught the first three, and they do a really good job of putting you in this hospital, uh, not just leading up to the events of Katrina, but it's the aftermath. Like It really lets you know that people uh, assumed things about the disaster that didn't really come from the... Uh, hurricane itself it came from how people dealt with it and it's crazy dude that's it's really good drama you have really good uh actors going along with this and it's shot like viscerally well a a majority of it when you're inside the hospital is shot in a very wide format and then when they cut to exteriors goes full screen and it's just like you feel it It, there's some Hmm. insane cgi with it when you see footage of the levee break uh and then when you mix a lot of the real life footage as well uh i think it does a really good job of putting you in that setting uh we're also at a time where hbo is going to be releasing katrina babies a documentary that premiered at tribeca um and then a couple of other ones that i know are on the horizon where a lot of people are looking back right now that it's been over 15 years, like practically 20 years since the incident, to see all of the fallout and uh, the repercussions that are still being felt to this day. So uh, for a drama that takes place in real time, um, I, I think it's hitting all the marks that it needs to. So uh, it's on Apple TV. It streams beautifully and all the performances all around have been really fantastic. So put this one on your radar and brace for it because it, it, it hits It's pretty good. Hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> It seems harrowing in the very least. So Best way to put it. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to check it out. All right. So those are the movies and shows and more that we have been watching. Let us know what you've been watching by commenting on this video or shooting us an email at intercutpod at gmail.com or interacting with us at intercut pod on social media, whatever it is, let's move on to some yay or nay film news subjects and started off with reports indicating that the producers of James Bond are searching for the next man to don the Already. iconic tuxedo. But with an eye to the future of the franchise, word is that Barbara Broccoli wants a younger bond, someone Mm. in their 30s, to inherit the mantle. Art, yay or nay, you like the idea of a bond that might look like somebody we went to high school with.
1: I worry on who it might (laughs) be. I don't mind it being young. I, I understand that. I think the Broccoli family have done a really good job of like really protecting the, the, the IP uh, and making sure that they're able to get longevity out of whoever they pick. But, Zach, don't you think it would be cool to have some one-offs? I think it would be really cool to see an old man Logan type of James Bond, mm-hmm. someone who's retired, uh, a different James Bond uh, that, you know, people wouldn't like in a third movie because they've been invested in it. But you could do a single type of story with. You could do a different type of medium that doesn't have to be movies. Now that MGM has been bought by Prime, I'm curious to see what are they going to switch up? What, are, you know, what else can they do that's new that they're going to be able to incorporate Um I don't mind the Bond being older. I don't mind the Bond being young. I don't want the Bond to be Tom Holland. No, no, no. no. I will go on a campaign. Yeah. For sure. For it to not be Tom Holland. Uh, do you have a, uh, a way you're leading? Because I, I feel like it may end up being someone who we none of us are even guessing.
0: Well, that's the thing. Is like, So I, I don't mind the idea of a young Bond, although I don't want to be stuck with one James Bond for the next like 20 years, which seems like maybe their goal in casting somebody who can age into the part a little bit and won't be like Daniel Craig, just like looking for the exit after two movies already. Um, But, you know, the, the news that was dropped recently came with the, uh, tidbit that they'd apparently been looking at Outlanders Sam Hewen, who's 42 and they felt like he's maybe too old for that part but looking at a guy of like Sam Hewen's profile he's not exactly the type of movie star who we might think of when we' think of like our ideal James Bond like maybe we can do a little bit of fan casting and say like the type of person we'd we'd like in the role but chances are it's going to end up as somebody we've either never heard of or or has just been, like, a bit part in some movies that mm. we've seen, you know? Yeah. So let me let me throw out some names uh, to you and see what you'd like. Let's a lot it. of people have uh, really trumpeted the idea of Henry Cavill being it, although he's already 39, so that feels like he might uh, be yeah, he out been. of the range. He looks it. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, my favorite idea is casting Riz Ahmed. I think that would like, be a really interesting, okay. bold direction. He's clean. Also 39 years old, so though that maybe he looks is young, pushing he the looks age young. limit. He does look very young. Uh, Henry Golding has been floated. He's only 35 years old. Henry Golding is a lot like Henry Cavill. Which is the Henry's. Uh,
1: I think they're both, yeah. they have a really nice like demeanor and stature to them. I don't know how deep yeah. acting-wise a James Bond movie even needs you to be uh right. they would be pretty cool. How old is Goldie? They both
0: have the look for it.
1: Yes. How old is Gold? Oh, no you have it here. Actually, you can see that.
0: Gold 35. Oh, uh, that's that's fairly young. It's okay. Okay. Yeah. All right, probably the most like interesting though, I don't think he would go anywhere near it. Daniel Kaluuya, maybe for uh. a Bond villain.
1: A bomb villain, he'd have some fun with. I, I see. The thing yeah. is, it's so that's why I say uh, uh, Henry Golding and uh, what's his name, the other Henry, because at that point you know that they could bring that suave consistency. And they don't really have to worry about anything else. I don't want yeah. Daniel Kaluuya restricted. I, I'd rather see him nah. as a villain or somebody else hey, on the team. I, uh,
0: what about a Dev Patel? Are you a fan of that idea?
1: I like Dev. I don't know I don't if, know I, if see I like him. him as James Bond. Yeah, I don't yet. know if I see him as James Bond.
0: Same. Uh, this is probably. I feel like maybe my most realistic idea. How about Jack O'Connell? Only 32 sense. years old.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. That would make a lot of sense. <laughs> just like, it just, uh, it, it makes sense.
0: Yeah. Aaron Taylor Johnson Ooh. doesn't feel like the right demeanor, but <laughs> I don't but he's know. A good I would actor. Like to see
1: an Aaron Taylor Johnson uh, yeah. when I think he did a pretty good, he did a decent enough ac- uh, accent, but that's the thing too. You have to remember to a lot of people, it needs to be a Brit. He is a Brit. Aaron so Taylor Johnson's a Brit.
0: Yeah, the kick-ass accent is his accent. Like, like his, his fake accent.
1: Well, he's a good actor, bro.
0: Okay, we gotta, get, we gotta
1: get him on. I, I <laughs> like it, Taylor Johnson.
0: All right, he's 32. A couple other 32-year-olds that I thought might be interesting. Nicholas Holt and Taron Egerton, although Egerton's already Kingsman, so...
1: I like them both, but again, I feel like they're so recognizable that I don't want him to mm. get bogged down. I want to see these guys do a bunch of extra stuff,
0: you know? Yeah. And then uh on the younger end, John Boyega's 30, Will Poulter's 29. I, I don't know if either is quite right for Will the Poulter's, part.
1: Yeah, Will Poulter's a villain. And John Boyega, I don't know if he's be, be willing to do another franchise.
0: That too. Yeah. And then I also put Tom Holland here, although 26. Hopefully that rules him tell out. Tell me. You really? I put him because I feel like he's a name that comes up, not because he's somebody I want I'm, to yeah, see. Yeah, I'm
1: asking you. Do you want to go see Tom Absolutely Holland? Absolutely not. In one season, he's got enough, <laughs> enough franchises properties.
0: already, and that—that's like he still looks like a boy. Even in Uncharted, he looks acts. like a boy. Forget the look. It's how he acts, bro. Yeah.
1: I don't want to see him like raising his voice. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whiskey that stirred? Please, uh, not shaking. I don't want I don't want to see that. I don't want that. It's like having Mark Wahlberg be James Bond. Uh, no, no, no. I'm good. I'm straight.
0: Yeah. Uh, we got in the chat some votes for Henry Golding. Some people seeing Ke- Kaluuya as a potential Bond villain. Uh, Julietta thinking Jack O'Connell's maybe a bit too boring. It
1: is, makes sense, but it's very bla- yeah. basic. Poulter is definitely a villain too, yes.
0: All right, let's move on to the next subject here. Everybody's favorite data collection company masquerading as a ticketing service. MoviePass, let Ooh. customers know via email that they are coming back. Yes, sir. Uh. MoviePass is relaunching as a beta on Labor Day with three different pricing tiers at it $10, is. $20, and $30. None of the pricing tiers, however, feature an unlimited ticketing option during the beta. So, Art, yay or nay, You are signing back up for MoviePass.
1: You asked me the question, am I signing up?
0: Yes.
1: 100%. (laughs) Am I asking other people to sign up? Look, I don't know what they're going to be taking this time around. All I can say is that if it wasn't for MoviePass early on in that 2012, 2013 beginning years where I told everybody about it. I would not have been able to cover the amount of movies that I did. Even now, mm-hmm. with the services that we have with AMC, those are like three movies a week. Man, you were watching three to ten to twenty movies a day. It did not matter with Movie Pass. <laughs> then obviously more people joined on it. You know, there's the whole story of it. You could search it up. I'm sure several people have videos on it. With this beta coming back, have you seen the rollout? Uh, I have the site pulled up here where it's got the countdown. All, uh, <laughs> uh, what, what's exciting? It uh, Christopher Nolan style as we th- <laughs> we're timing down over here. But it says this. The new Movie Pass beta app will be accessible by invite only. When the timer reaches zero, the waitlist will be open for five days. All who join the waitlist will, prior- will, have- will receive priority access to the service and 10 friend invites. Ooh. Space is limited. Once the waitlist is closed, Zach, the only way to get to MoviePass is to find someone who has a remaining invite. What do you think?
0: I mean, that's a great way to create a a network. <laughs> yeah, it is. of close contacts. Sounds like some dope data mining. Uh,
1: I think it sounds almost like multi market <laughs> scheming <laughs> right here to a degree. Look, MLM? I'm very skeptical of it, obviously as always. But I, I'm yeah, I'm going to be the first to sign up for it. We, we have to, you know, we got to report back. Uh, let people know how it is, because yeah, towards the end of it, it was it was pretty bad, and I think a lot of people still have a bad taste in their mouth because they mm-hmm. didn't get to experience the good sides of Movie They only got, you know, all of these restrictions.
0: Yeah. Um, so we'll see. They got into got into NFTs too late or something. Yeah. yeah. Um. I I I'm curious to see, but it's also Movie was so good and successful because it was an early adopter. It was around before a list was a thing and, and before Regal, Regal it, yeah. had their movie pass as well. Uh, so I, I don't know uh, what, what it can do in the current film going economy. Do we know if it's going to work at AMCs or at Regal's? Or, That's the problem. Towards, or do we know anything? Towards
1: the end of it, they were like, oh, we're going art houses. Like, you're not going to art houses. This AMC didn't want you. Regal didn't want yeah. you. They were doing deals with their own stuff with Adam. Uh, like, yeah, you're only going to be able to use it at certain theaters for certain movies. I remember they did surge pricing at some point, too, where you couldn't yeah. check in unless they charged your account for the new whatever movie it was. Uh, yeah, Uh Don't forget, there was also other ones like Cinemia that stopped right at Avengers Endgame. Avengers Game yep. made so much money, it went out of business that exact opening week. Um, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, but I'm excited to see uh, how they're gonna roll it out, and we'll see yeah, if, uh, if the prices and- are
0: worth it. I'm going to try and remain hopeful on that one. And then Deadline reports that Amazon is recruiting Birds of Prey director Kathy Yan to direct their upcoming live action adaptation of Satoshi Kon's film Paprika. Art, yay or nay, you think Kathy Yan is a good person for this job? Uh, Visually,
1: I think. I think she does a really good job in blocking, uh, doing a, a good job with explosive colors. The story of Paprika can be very confusing mm-hmm. and I don't think it should be dumbed down. And that's my only worry. That may not even yeah. be a thing on her. That's just on whatever studio, you know, and whatever script. I was they're going to say,
0: together. like I'm, I'm generally positive on Kathy Yan, but I think I'm down on IMT. Amazon being the people to adapt this one. Cause ultimately yeah. like if you're gonna do, if you're going to do live action paprika, it's only going to work if you make it weird and experimental Super and weird. something that's a little bit like non-mainstream. And I, I think Cathy Ann has that ability from her, her previous work, Dead Pigs, but I don't know if <laughs> I, I don't know if Amazon would allow that. And and if you're getting a watered down version of paprika, like point. you might as well just watch Inception. That's probably going to be better.
1: <laughs> Amen.
0: All right, so those are our news stories for the week. Let us know how you feel. Before we get into the new to see, we would like to thank the InterCutie Plus patrons, those wonderful people who are supporting the show. They are you and Julieta, Garrett, Tim, Elizabeth, Josh, Ashley, Marion, Michael, D.A., Matt, and Di. Our Academy-level members are Tushar, Cademan, Connor, Pete, Sean, May, and Ricky. And of course... A very big thanks to the producer-level patrons, Awkward, and you, Denver. Thanks again for all the support and a reminder that you, too, can become a member at patreon.com slash intercutpod, where you can sign up for patron benefits like early access to intercut episode outlines, access to private channels on the intercut Discord, and an invitation to our monthly Ma- patron google meetings the latest of which is happening tonight Today. so it's not too late throw us a buck a month on patreon and you can come hang out talk movies with us art what are we talking about on the patron google meeting tonight
1: uh we have a lot of stuff dealing with movie news because obviously tiff and a lot of festivals the emmys are in the horizon to talk about but we have a bunch of brackets that we're going to be recording with some special mm. guests coming up but we have even more special guests because on our Patreon hangout, we want to do a pre-bracket with y'all to figure out yeah. who y'all would pick as you fight to the – not to death. Fight till the uh, hangout is over to see who the best <laughs> actors in their 40s, I want to say, is what we have.
0: Yeah. Best movie stars in their 40s. Movie stars uh, in their 40s. We'll be, we'll be bringing that bracket to intercut soon, but we want to see what the uh think before we – we put our opinions out there, so we'll be talking about that and, and it's some also other some, stuff. Some, on. some
1: good backups because there is the bracket episode, but damn, is there a podcast on just figuring out who goes on the bracket? Like <laughs> that, that's in and of itself. So, yeah, uh, it's oh. gonna be really fun to see like a, a, a rough version of it first to see what the intercuties think on, on who they have there, who they would consider, uh, maybe even give us some recommendations on who should be swapped out. So, it's gonna be really Definitely.
0: fun. All right, uh let us get into the new to see starting with on August 23rd untold the rise and fall of and one hits Netflix the latest in the untold series. You know, we didn't mention the untold Mantiteo documentary that came out mm-hmm. over the weekend. I don't know if you watched it, but that was high up on Netflix. Uh they are continuing with their like I feel like they're kind of knockoff thirty for thirties, but some of them are actually pretty no, they're good.
1: Decent. Yeah, I don't want to call them knockoff. Yeah. I see what you mean. They're they're not that bad. Ever since they started with the Males yeah. and the Palace one and those, they've been no on a run.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of curious because like I feel Same. like those the And One mixtape tour was like a fixture of our youth.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, no, And One was huge. So yeah, I, I'm looking forward to this.
0: Uh, and then also on August 23rd, Top Gun Maverick finally, finally hitting VOD. Yes. Uh, August 25th, the Sundance Film Festival Asia version uh, begins and runs through January 28th. So if you are... One of the Asian intercuties out there. You got a shot to see some of our Sundance favorites, including Fire of Love, Leonore Will Never Die, Midwives, which was an award winner, Brian and Charles, which I'd recommend, Micah, which was a delightful kids' entry, Riotville USA, a bunch of really cool movies. Uh, if if you've been waiting since January to catch up on some of our recommendations, you can. If you found yourself in Jakarta, you can catch some of those films. Mm-hmm uh also on august 25th peacock's got a couple new projects the end is nigh which is the latest project featuring bill nye looking at myths and realities from viruses to volcanoes asteroids to authoritarianism climate change to chemical warfare were you a bill nye guy everybody i think our age was like a bill nye growing up hell yeah i'm glad he's still around yeah uh, and then Everything I Know About Love, a new series coming to Peacock, uh, looks like a kind of romantic drama featuring mm. a bunch of young actors, including Emma Appleton, Bell Powley, Marley Sui, and Aaliyah Odofin. Uh, uh, it's seven forty-five 45-minute episodes, so if you got Peacock, you got a few new things to check out there. It's but a BBC also- import. Oh, okay, interesting. Uh, and then also on streaming on august 25th is the the debut of hulu's new limited series mike starring Travante Rhodes as mike tyson it's an eight episode series with two episodes premiering every week oh. are you excited to check this one out
1: i am and i know that there is a counter one happening because the estate of mike tyson himself were like don't approve of it so they're making their yeah. own also excited to see that but I like to see when a creative is able to make something without the worry of the subject going, nah, clean that out. Don't put that in. Exactly. So I, I am excited for this one.
0: Yeah. And Mike Tyson in particular like, is such a <laughs> fascinating public figure, but not exactly one that like, I think I would want his approval on yeah. his life story. Exactly. So I'm curious to see how... How messy, I guess, they get into the show because his life is one that's full of drama. I, and, I think and usually a lot of it unflattering.
1: Usually uh, when they come out, it's because they're in the industry and they know they've seen the script and they know exactly what it's going to be. So they just came out and said, just uh, yep. owning this one.
0: Yep. All right. Friday, August 26th for The weekend. We got a few interesting movies uh, coming out. Breaking. Breaking. Formerly titled 892, one of the movies way. we caught at Sundance earlier this year. Yeah, I agree. I think 892 is just like a more mm-hmm. distinctive, interesting title. Breaking just sort of is kind of like a nothing title and, it, and not exactly the most relevant to this to this movie. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't see it. Because I think we both really enjoyed this kind of modern spin on almost like a John Q-esque hostage family bank robbery kind that. of thing thing going
1: on I don't um I really Uh, enjoyed it uh they sent us a link uh a little bit ago because I know it's going to be coming out in theaters and then if I'm not mistaken in a couple of weeks afterwards it might be on prime don't quote me on that but I know it was the prime reps who sent it to us um I still enjoyed it. I, I really think that his performance is solid in this. Nicole Bahari's yeah. performance is really solid in yeah. this as well. Um, and they did do changes because yeah. I really liked how they incorporated 892, the title in the movie and such. And mm-hmm. they've they've like they swapped it out to be breaking. And there were some lines uh, that does mention the breaking title, but 892 is just so much better. I showed it to my family and uh, they agreed. 892 is a better title. So while yep. it may seem bland, Zach's right. Give it a watch if you can.
0: Uh, and shouts to the late Michael K. Williams, yeah. one of the, the great actors, Damn. and probably one of his final performances mm-hmm. in this film. Also very, very good in it. Uh, Funny Pages, the new A24 film. This one is one of the rare A24 movies that's going to be theaters and VOD on the same day. Uh, this one premiered at Con earlier this year. Wow. Also stars a, a favorite Around these parts on Intercut, Chicken Finger Kid. Chicken Nugget Daniel Kid, bro, with all the Zulgadri. sauces. He's got all the sauces, man. And now he's got like a dream of being a cartoonist in this very scrappy film uh, that's like a weirder outsider coming of age story. I think this is a really cool film about what it's like to be really into a sp- Particular subculture, right? Like maybe you're you're a skater kid, maybe you were a hardcore kid, maybe like the people in the film, you were like a big comics nerd. Mm-hmm. But I, I think regardless, you can you can appreciate what it's like to just have this passion, have this focus that you care about so much more than all the people around you and kind of feel like you know better because of that than all the people around you and and just that the whole like coming of age process of of learning about adulthood through your passions is captured well here and done in kind of a scrappy uh shaky camera style that feels very reminiscent of what the Safety brothers do on films like Uncut Gems and Good Time. I don't know if it's quite as like tense and and excruciating as those movies, but it's definitely in like it's cousins with them. It's in the same tonal playing field as those movies.
1: Got it on my watch list.
0: Very cool. Uh, another movie hitting theaters this weekend in limited release is *The Good Boss*. Were you saying that this is Spain's selection for the Academy Awards, yeah. or, or was last year?
1: We all wanted it to be *Parallel Mothers*. *Parallel Mothers* scored up the uh, nomination for you know actress, but this was yeah. what Spain submitted. They they went with the comedy. It's a comedy drama yeah. about a boss that I guess nobody likes and just what they're dealing with as he's going into all these different locations. Uh, they went
0: with the Javier Bardem movie instead of the one with his wife.
1: Exactly. Um, I highly recommend parallel mothers. I still think it should have been the one that was submitted, but again, we just got the link for this one. It just hit over here in the States for us. Uh, so I'm, I'm very excited to look into this one.
0: Uh, Possibly the biggest release of this weekend. I think so, uh, considering Easily. that this is like a big time for horror movies. This is The Invitation, a film about a young woman courted and swept off her feet only to realize that she's entered a gothic conspiracy. Ooh. This one stars Game of Thrones's Natalie Emanuel. Uh, I think this one was used to be called The Bride. Um I had both okay. listings on my, my document for a little while. Yeah, I mean it seems pretty interesting in terms of uh in terms of horror movies. Not exactly the one that I'm most anticipating, no. but it feels kind of familiar. Um maybe it's like shades of what is it ready, ready or, or not. not?
1: That's what I keep getting yeah. every time I see the trailer. And it's out. If you uh, click the trailer, it shows you the whole movie. So
0: Yep. Uh, another film that I hadn't heard of until I opened up my AMC app but Jane hits theaters this weekend. You said you were reading a little about it. What, what's this one? Yeah,
1: uh, uh, so like? another one had an alternate name. It's called Jane Now, but it used to be called Jane, all capitalized, Zach. So we'll see how oh, that okay. comes into play into the movie. But it's about this girl uh, played by Madeline uh, Pesh, I want to say. She's from Riverdale, if I'm not mistaken. And how she be, she's like something happens to her because she doesn't get into the college that she wants. So she takes it out on social media she does a social media revenge strategy so we'll see if it's on amc like you said probably keep it on the horizon
0: all right uh also in also available this weekend on netflix is me time the latest kevin hart comedy this one alongside mark Wahlberg, about a couple of guys who reconnect for a wild weekend it looks pretty much like your typical zany kevin hart buddy comedy and not one of the particularly good ones but they just sent us the screener so we'll hopefully find out soon and yeah we'll get back uh samaritan i believe this one's both in theaters and amazon prime video this weekend a superhero drama starring the rocky his himself sylvester stallone as well as uh is that ashtray is that ashtray yes sir yeah
1: javon bro he uh, was actually for this a, one? Uh, yeah i'm excited because i know that javon was like a boxer growing up when i was listening to interviews way back for like the first year euphoria he was just like a little kid and he was like i was a boxer before i was supposed to be an actor um mm-hmm. and i think he said he shot this in between euphoria's uh season one and two um oh. for him to be with rocky though i'm really excited but i don't know what rocky may teach him so I- i'm curious to see them two in the movie more than i'm curious about the premise of the movie if that makes sense
0: I hear that, yeah. But it'll be on right, Prime. And then, okay, cool. Uh, and then the movie that I'm probably most excited for this weekend, the first of my picks for the week, it's the new George Miller film, 3,000 Years of Longing, starring Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba. This one premiered at Cannes earlier this year. A movie about a lonely scholar who discovers a jinn that offers her three wishes in exchange for his freedom. A.K.A. It's the horny genie in a bottle <laughs> movie, and I don't know, man. Uh, George Miller just knows how to do like opulence and excess and and visual, uh, and, and visual symphonies yep. in a way that I think few directors are working on that level. So whether or whatever he has in store, I'm excited to check it out.
1: Same. I think uh, you guys get it first on the coast, and then we uh, should probably be getting all the trickle down after the fact. So.
0: All right, cool. So that's my first pick of the week. What are your other picks for the week?
1: Uh, For me, I want to keep it at home. If you have Hulu, I would say go check out On the Count of Three with the warning. I saw that
0: popped up there.
1: Yeah, if you see the trailer, it gives you the warning itself. You watch the movie, it gives you the warning. Know what it's about. Um, yeah, but I was rewatching. Not it. for everybody. It's not, but I will say that on the rewatch, you know, the first time around, it's just you don't find everything else until the end. On a rewatch, you see why the characters make the decisions that they do, uh, and it's a lot more realized than you first realize. So I, I would definitely say check it out. uh Our boy Chris Abbott, it gives an incredible performance. I will say maybe it was because you know I had seen Easter Sunday and I've been seeing a couple movies where it's stand-up comedians doing movies. I love my boy, Gerard. He does come off sometimes. He plays it well, but he sometimes comes off like he's trying to do a stand-up punchline in every single one of his lines. Um, but nonetheless, I, I liked it a- even a little bit more the second time around. It's very dark. Awesome. Um, yeah. And Hulu's the perfect place to catch it. Abbott Elementary as well. Expanded onto HBO Max. I know sometimes people may not have yeah. Hulu or ABC. Hey, that's pretty cool. Uh, mm-hmm. You now have the chance to catch the whole first emmy nominated season on hbo yeah. and i would highly recommend it uh and then another one it's on virtual uh, i gotta check the prices on here before i let you know uh yeah never mind that's say Abbott elementary out on hbo uh give it a watch
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right well i'll stick with hbo for my two other picks for the week uh one of course is house of the dragon yes, i mean sir. probably everybody who is curious about it is checking it out but in case you're on the fence we're both giving you the recommendation for that one. It's, Easily, it's, it's exciting, and feels I'm, good. Just, I'm ready to get back on the ride. You know, I just want to rewatch the episode again. It just feels good. Yeah, D- man. When they when they came in with the sort of like echoes of the Thrones theme mm-hmm. in the score, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. And then they, when they finally oh, we're to going to spoil it tonight, but I swear the house started smelling like wine the moment the the, yeah. <laughs> the moment the, the HBO logo came out.
0: So uh, one show starting and another show that just ended. I'm I'm going one last recommendation for the rehearsal. Truly the most unique piece of media you might see all year. And uh, definitely the workings of some kind of mastermind, whether or not it's for good. Who knows?
1: (laughs) He's too clever for his own good is what I'll say.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, so I think that's about all for this edition of the weekend must watch. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd at Z Shevich. That's Z-S-H-E-V as in Viseris I C H. And check out my YouTube or multiplex channel or <laughs> YouTube or TikTok channels at multiplex show art. Where can people find more from you?
1: You can find me over at LME Explain on Letterboxd on Twitter on YouTube or every week here on the Intrico podcast, where Zach reminds me that I need to catch up on Better Calls <laughs> All.
0: Yeah, you can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on whatever your favorite podcatcher is. I happen to like Overcast. And then make sure you're tuned in not just to the audio version, but to the video feed as well on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash intercutpod, where you can catch our bright smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment and maybe hit that bell to get notifications on new uploads. Uh, Check out all of our stuff on social media, whether you go to our Uh, Facebook Instagram or Twitter or our Patreon they're all at intercut pod you can also find leave us a comment like the video and consider heading over to iTunes to give us that much requested five star review shout out to our listeners in Brunei for putting us on the all podcast film charts uh, over there and shouts to all of you leaving five star reviews we passed that hundred ratings threshold it it warmed my heart and uh, but but now I need, I need a little bit more. I need the next fix. So let's get to 110. We need a few more five-star ratings. Go to iTunes and keep keep hitting that five-star button. Thanks to all of you who do. Uh, and find updates throughout the week by following us on social media. You can find more from Art, more from me, more from all the guests that we feature on the show here on Intercut. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, every artist needs a space to let their inner weirdo out. Agreed. Is that what intercut It's orphan's orphan line <laughs> what?
1: Is that intercut for us? Yeah, of course it always is.